Hello everyone and welcome to Crossing the Line of Departure, a show completely focused on veterans transitioning from military to civilian life. Our show is powered by Pivotal Moments, a nonprofit on a mission to strengthen mental fitness for all. Go check them out at pivotalmoments.org to learn more. My name is Lee Elias, and I am joined, as always, by my good friend and co-host, Howie Cohen. And we are privileged today to have Natalie Alivario with us. Natalie is a post-9-11 Navy veteran and an alumnus of West Virginia University. She is the founder and CEO of the award-winning Military Talent Partners. Natalie is on a mission to help veterans and spouses find meaningful careers. With an individualized mentorship program offered at no cost to service members, veterans, and spouses, her authentic approach to cultivating talent leads the way for a stronger, diversified future workforce. Natalie believes in elevating human potential. As a connector of talent and opportunity, she leverages individual strengths and chemistry to make mindful matches at scale. With more than a decade of corporate recruiting experience, Natalie understands the unique challenges hiring managers and recruiters face in finding the right fit at the right time. Natalie, it is such a privilege to have you here today. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Lee and Howie. I have been looking forward to this conversation with both of you. Well, we've been looking forward to having the conversation with you. And Natalie, when we usually start an episode, we always like to introduce the audience to your military career a little bit. So as we said, you served in the United States Navy for four years from January of 2001 uh, through January of 2005. Could you share with us uh, and our audience the experiences that you had in the Navy and how that kind of molded and shaped you into the person that you are today? Wow, that's such a great question because I went in in such an interesting time uh, in my personal life and then in my military life, you know, going in to boot camp, you know, junior enlisted in January of 2001. By the time I finished uh, A school and got on board my ship, our first day underway to do workups for deployment was September 10th, 2001. So here I am, E2, 19-year-old Natalie, and I wake up first day and it's September 11th, 2001. And any idea uh, that I had in a very young, mind and a a very fresh, you know, wet behind the ear military mind was just completely blown. And um, it was a very different experience from that day forward for everybody in this country. Um, I think especially those, um, you know, closest to those, those attacks. And then it was really intimately different for the military and understanding the immediate reaction and how your career was now going to take shape. And what part you would play in that post 9-11 world. So <clears throat> spending time as a part of the George Washington Battle Group on board the USS Mahan, which is a guided missile destroyer, a smaller ship, about 350 people, uh, less than 50 of them were women. Uh, and there was not a big junior enlisted culture on board that ship uh, by design. So it was very interesting and certainly very formative, not just in my military career, but in my life uh, and growing into an adult and young 20s and, and now today, the experiences, the lessons learned and the relationships that I experienced throughout those four years were so and are still influential in my life every day. Well, hey, Natalie, thanks so much for sharing that. It's uh, it's actually helpful for even Lee and I to understand that, and I and I appreciate you sharing that with us. 
Um, so you chose to lose, uh, to leave the, the Navy after about four years. So what, what I would like for you to share with our audience is w- how you made the decision, uh, to, to leave the military, to leave the Navy, how you personally prepared for your transition to your next step. Um, and share with us, you know, if there's, you know, first of all, what went well, what didn't go well, what, what did you learn from that? Um, and, um, and would you do anything differently if you had to do, knowing what you know now? If you could go back and redo it, what would you do differently? And maybe you can share that kind of uh, that kind of advice with with our audience. Yeah, I'd love to. Honestly, the decision to get out was because I met my now husband while I was serving. He had just gotten out of the army and I really envied that freedom that he had that I had forgotten or maybe just not realized that I had lost. Uh, If it wasn't for having met him and been on that trajectory, I may have stayed in for 20 plus years, but I decided that I wanted to, you know, uh, pursue our relationship and finish education uh, which I had delved into before the military and it really didn't go so well. Um, so I wanted to finish my degree and get married, to be quite honest. And unfortunately, I didn't have a transition plan. It wasn't even on my radar. No one I knew was talking about it. And I just thought, you know, I'm from a small town. I'm going to go back home. I'll have no problem getting a job. I mean, I'm, I kind of thought, you know, uh, excuse my language, that I, that I was hot shit and that why wouldn't I get whatever job that I felt like getting, right? Uh, except that's not reality. That's not how the world works. And I, I, if I could change anything, it would have had, I would have, I would have hoped to have had the foresight to have the conversation with uh, myself. What are my goals? What are my expectations? What do I need to make happen in order to reach those goals? I had nothing. I knew that I wanted to pursue, continue pursuing a journalism degree, uh, which didn't work out. They basically felt like they had nothing to teach me at this point in my life and that I should pursue something else. So the the small sliver of a plan that I had was basically wiped clean by the Dean of, of Journalism at West Virginia University. So I, I, I thankfully found my passion in recruiting and connecting people to their purpose and, uh, but really struggled for a long time because as I was serving in the military, my friends and my peers had already graduated college and had had careers, some management or upper level positions. And so I struggled with the feeling of being held back and, and almost like my military service just didn't count for anything. And the rest of the world went on without me. And where was I now? And who was I now? And that caused a lot of resentment uh, towards other people who I felt were, I was, I was in a lower position or a more junior level position. And I'm like, this is not fair. This is not right. But I didn't understand the landscape. I didn't understand my, my part in it and how I really had the power all along to affect that, that board and, and how I would move about it. And unfortunately, it took me a really long time to get there, to have that light bulb moment. And that is such a catalyst to what we do at Military Talent Partners on the service side of supporting veterans and their families, because I've been there. I know the things that come with it, the feelings, the lifestyle that can really suck you in and, and, and hurt you in, in a bad way. Um, so if we can turn the light on and help someone move forward, then that is a gift that we are ready to do and ready to give. You know, it's absolutely fascinating. I, I, I just want to pull the thread on a couple of thoughts that you just uh, you, you just so articulately you know mentioned. 
Because um, I, I think a lot of men and women uh, in uniform struggle, even if they do prepare, right? They struggle with some of the things that you mentioned. And I think it's important for them to know that whether it's four years, 24 years, 34 years, it doesn't matter. But the military gives you a skill set that is very unique as compared to what's happening in corporate America or wherever you choose to go. And, and you cannot undervalue what you've learned from, from your military career, again, whether it's, it, it's, it's just one enlistment or it's multiple enlistments or however that works out. And, I, and, and what I really want to focus in on is, you know, the, the, you said you found your passion. I think that is so important. Um, I think a lot of folks in the military um, sometimes feel a pressure that, okay, now this part of my life is over. I've got to bring in additional income from somewhere. And they don't, don't always... And maybe they don't feel like they're in a position to financially, but they, they sometimes they just take a position or a job um, and don't do something that they're really passionate about. And I think I think the fact that you did find your passion and pursued it, um, I think that's a great tip for folks, again, whether you're a, a young man or woman in, in uniform getting out or you're at, at the end of a, of a career and you're retiring, um, I would really encourage you to take take that lesson learned from lat from Natalie and, and find your passion. Cause if you do something you're passionate about, you're going to do well at it. And uh, I really applaud you for that. That, that, that's absolutely awesome. Um, so when, when we did a little bit of research, you know, I, you know, your post-military career is really, really interesting and diverse. Um, you work extensively as a recruiter in several organizations. You have experience with marketing and communications, strategic development, public relations and actually served as a strategic advisor for uh, Natalie Tennant in her run for the West Virginia Secretary of State in uh, uh, position in 2020. So the first thing I have to ask, and I didn't actually look this answer up because I wanted to be very authentic in my response, but uh, did she win? She didn't. She did not win, although I maintain that she still deserved it. Um, Unfortunately, uh, our our whole entire state went one way. And so the other party's candidates didn't stand a chance. So there's nothing that we could have done differently to affect that outcome, understanding the current political culture uh, throughout West Virginia. But it doesn't. she's a former Secretary of State. She's a trailblazer for our state, um, groundbreaking in many different arenas. So she uh, has a very bright future. And we'll still continue fighting for what she believes in. But unfortunately, you know, it's, in politics, it's it's very interesting. It doesn't always turn out that the right candidate wins. Um, sometimes it's influence or money or who's willing to go a certain length. So she did not win, but it was certainly a very interesting experience. Well, and I'm sure it was. And, and what I would like you to share with our audience now is given that diversity of, 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 of jobs and experiences that you had after you, after you got out of the military, share with our audience, please, what you learned from those, and, from those experiences and, and how you continue to grow and develop as a person. Oh, gosh, this is going to get probably deeper than we should go on a podcast. But... That's the whole point of the show. Yeah, go for it. Dive, dive deep. Just dig right in there. (laughs) You know, honestly, I was raised in a very traditional, uh, old school Italian Catholic family. I was really raised to grow up, get married and have a family. 
my parents didn't teach me about business or money. I went to the military to rebel against the traditional education path my, my family expected me to go on. And so uh, post-military, I continued that trajectory of meeting the expectations of other people, namely my parents, uh, people I didn't want to disappoint or people I felt like I needed to make proud. So I was living an inauthentic life of trying to meet the expectations or beliefs of other people. I did not stop to think. This sounds emba- it's embarrassing to say it. Like, it sounds so unintelligent. I never stopped to think about what I actually wanted, what mattered to me, what my goals were, what I wanted to do with my life, because I was just trying to live to these expectations. I was just trying to measure up. I was just going through the motions. And when you say it out loud, it's embarrassing. It's like, how did I spend all this time working so hard for something that wasn't even for me, right? So unfortunately, it took me a long time to realize that. And when I started deciding what I really wanted, and oh, by the way, I could actually go and do it, then the path became much, much clearer. So um, understanding what I didn't want is equally as important. Um, Understanding that you, understanding how you want to live, how you want to be treated, what you want your day-to-day to be like, what your long-term and short-term goals are, are so important. There are people who advocate, and I agree with them, that even going into the military, you should have goals. Like, how is this a trajectory for your entire life? Where will you land? Right. Where? How will this move you forward? What do you want to accomplish? All of these things are conversations you should have, and you can't blame your parents, and you can't blame any kind of upbringing or traditional or non-traditional values. I mean, you have to kind of figure out these things along the way. It's it's no one's fault. It's no one's disadvantage, <clears throat> and I certainly don't mean it to sound that way. It just took me a while to have those light bulb moments for myself, and once I, once I saw it, then I could make it happen. And when I mentor people and, and coach people through military transition, that's where we start. Like, what is the goal? What is it that you need? Or what is it that you need help with? There's so many people who absolutely cannot answer it. And it scares them and it causes them to just kind of go through the motions and get a paycheck and meet the expectations of your family or whatever external factors make you feel that way. But until you can see your goal so clearly, that you can put a name on it, you can describe its shape, you can describe its features and its attributes, then you don't know where you're going and you don't know how to get it. Yeah, I am a huge, huge advocate of what you just uh, you just described. I think, uh, I think the ability, and, and not even just the ability, but the willingness to commit to goal setting is absolutely essential to, to, to any, not just transitioning from the military to a life after the military, but anything you want to accomplish in your life. And so good for you to, uh, to, to, to have that light bulb go on. And it's something I absolutely encourage, you know, our listeners uh, to do is to set, you know, short-term, medium-term, long-term goals. Um, and, and, and I would even encourage you to, to write them out every day. Um, and really, really drive them into your subconscious, and 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 they will happen. They will appear over time. There, there's just absolutely no doubt in my mind that it'll happen. That that is a great, great lesson that you learned that that you that you're sharing with our audience, and I and I really appreciate that. 
Um, so now let's shift to, uh, to 2018. This really fascinates me as well. You took a position with Elite Meat as a director of mentorship. And um, so I learned that Elite Meat is a nonprofit organization that supports the special operations community as they choose to transition from their military service. And, and, they, and Elite Meat helps connect them with leaders in the business sector. I actually actually served. I had a little over 27 years and, and the better part of uh, 13 or 14 years of my service was in the special operations community. So I found this very, very interesting to me personally. So what I want to ask you is what prompted you to take a position with them? I really would like you to explain what you're what you do as a mentor for Elite Meet, and I think you still perform in that in that capacity as well, right? Um, even today, and and what I really would love for you to do is share some stories of of how you and Elite Meet have, have really helped special operators um, in uh, you know transition into whatever they did post military career. Elite Meat is such a special organization and they will always have such a special place in my heart. They're just incredible humans who are so unique and humble and grateful for uh, any piece of effort or knowledge or influence that you can give to them. And it's it's um, it's so rewarding. It's 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 more valuable, more rewarding than money. Uh, which very few things outside of freedom, I think, are more valuable than money, uh, except for time. Anyway, it was 2016, and I was uh, outperforming my current role as a corporate recruiter. And I was really unfulfilled and truly trying to just do more and push myself harder. And I was at the ceiling of where I was in my in the company. Uh, so I started volunteering as a mentor, first with Veterati, uh, Travis Mannion Foundation with Gold Star Families and the Character Does Matter program, uh, then Elite Meet and also American Corporate Partners. And so I, I, could, I, I was so naturally good at it because I love it so much. And as a recruiter and HR exec, I was able to tell people real information that can help them instead of in the traditional uh, talent acquisition or HR capacity where you have to be very controlled and in the information that you give as a mentor unrelated to the job search process or the interview process, you can say anything. And I was able to actually help and influence and inspire people in a direction that gave them results. And it was like a drug. It was so satisfying to me that I ended up volunteering almost 40 hours a week on top of my Holy 40 cow. hours job. I also had a baby. I had a baby in 2015. I had a baby at home, a husband, a whole life, but I loved so this. So no stress whatsoever at your life. No, tons point. of free time, right? Not none. <laughs> uh, but I loved it. I see that to just paint a picture of like how much I loved it. I loved it so much. It was so worthwhile to me. Elite Meet was such a cool organization. You had John Allen and Jordan Selleck, who are, John uh, was is a Navy SEAL veteran, met Jordan, and he basically got a bunch of guys in a room, a bunch of uh, transitioning special operators uh, and, and some guys from companies and was like, let's talk, let's see who we can help get a job. And, he, and it just like, it, they had that light up moment, just like I did with mentorship. And so it was a natural, a natural fit for us. And well, I mean, there's so many success stories with this, with this special organization, because it's, it's a 
it's a smaller group, right? Special operators, uh, SEALs, Green Berets, SWIX, fighter pilots, pararescue. Um, you have these unique group of high performers and high what we call in corporate high potentials or hypos Absolutely. Um, who are looking to transition into something amazing. I mean, you take guys who push boats out of a plane and jump after them. Pretty confident to say you're not going to do anything in corporate that's going to give you that kind of a rush. So helping someone of that caliber decide what's right for them and lights them up inside next is a tough conversation. Oh, yeah, and without sure. the right mentor, it's hard to kind of cultivate that meaning on your own. But I'll use the example of a Green Beret. He's transitioning. Um, during his deployments, he would play video games to kind of uh, come back to uh, his his baseline and clear his mind, kind of re-energize himself, disconnect from, from missions and things that he was doing. And he wanted to work for a gaming company. And he was so committed to doing this that he and his, and his wife moved out to California where this company was centered and I coached him on his resume we coached him on personal branding on how to speak how to tell his story because Green Berets are not really taught to talk about you know I'm amazing and this is what this company means to me and this is what gaming did for me you know he understood it but he didn't know how to articulate it in a business sense so he already put the work in to move across the country, to put himself physically in this position, it was a no-brainer to, to go all in to support this, this individual to get to this dream job. So we gave him the prep, we did the work, and then John Allen, who was founder and CEO at the time, actually went out on LinkedIn, requested anybody who had connections to the VP or above of this company and people were like wildfire sharing it and commenting and we drove the conversation to get this individual in front of the C-suite. That's awesome. Long story short, calls me on the phone one day. I might cry because the story just literally like <laughs> brings back that day. It was so yeah. cool. He's like, oh my God, it happened. I got the job. Like everything you said, it worked, it happened. I can't believe it. Like I moved out here, this is happening. I start in two weeks. And it was like, you don't meet people like that every day who are willing to just move across country, put themselves in front of an organization and be like, hire me, but then also do the work. And then you have an organization like Elite Meet with John at the helm, who would literally throw himself into oncoming traffic to help one of the, one of the members. And that's the level of, of commitment. That's the level of performance of this group and what makes them so special or elite. It is such a fitting name. And I know they get, they get some flack for it. Like, Oh, you're elite or you're special and you're not for every veteran. And they're really not, they are different. And unless you're, unless you're really um, aware and intelligent about what they do and where they've been, it's hard to see it, but they're special. And that story is such an example of why. Well, listen, I, I, I am begging you to make an introduction for me <laughs> to them. Um, I want to meet well, them. I want an opportunity to work with them. I want an opportunity to invite them to come onto this podcast. Um, so I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to lay some Jewish guilt on you right now. And, uh, which is not different from Italian guilt or Catholic guilt, it's right? Not, but, I know. Uh, but I, I would love the opportunity to, uh, to meet these folks and work and actually even maybe help them do what they're doing. But I think this could be a great, uh, this could be a great strategic partnership for us as well. 
You got it. Cool. What? And, and and I gotta I gotta say somebody let two Jews host this show, so I gotta double down on the Jewish guilt and say we have to have that person you just told that story about on the show as well because that's an amazing story. Um, uh, I'd love to interview him about his post-military career, but we're, we're all we're all about you here today, Natalie. Right? So uh, we're gonna transition into military talent partners in a minute. Minute, but I want to call back to something you said earlier in the episode because it really sparked some thought uh, in my mind. Um, I, I've had a unique, we'll say, experience with the military in being a, a very lowly male military spouse as my wife served in the Air Force. The listeners of the show have heard that story before. Uh, but the, the idea is that I've, I've, I was always able to observe, right? Like, like there's not many male military spouses, but I was able to observe. I have such a, a revere for the military and being able to watch. And what I kind of found out through my observations, uh, and this is going back to the story you shared about uh, why you joined the military, right? At that, I found that there's there's kind of three buckets of people that join the military, right? Um, you know, one is you join the military because of just dutiful service. It's what your family does. You want to be in the military. That's one bucket. There's another bucket of it's an ends to a means. So, for example, you know, my wife is a doctor. She joined the military to pay for medical school. Uh, proudly served. We loved our time in the military, but that's why she was there, right? And then there's that third bucket of people that kind of go in because it's just an alternative option to whatever, to college. Uh, in your case, like you said, the direction you were being told that you need to go in, right? Uh, and, and all three of these are absolutely honorable. There's nothing wrong with any of those buckets. I'm not saying one is better than the other in any way. But what I did notice is that when people go into the military, and this is a common theme on this show, and you're proving it here, when they come out, they have this incredible skill set that they don't realize that they have, right? And it comes down to everything that the military teaches you from, from duty to honor to organization to following orders to the mission to everything, right? And the reason I want to bring that up again is that you made this great point of not knowing what you want to do. Uh, what's funny is that, you know, I, I coached college hockey, I coached pro hockey, uh, and I've been around lots of mentorship opportunities in my life. And I'm always amazed at how surprised people are when I say to them, if you don't know what you want to do, that's okay. Because we're just so taught from young age, you need to know what you want to do. You need to know what you love and you need to do it. <laughs> it's just kind of like, do it. You know, no, you need to know. And the truth is this, you might not know. You might not know right away when you're 18 or even if you're 55, you might not know what you want to do. But what I'm saying is people that join the military are at an advantage because when you do figure out what you want to do, keeping in mind that that may change over time, and that's okay. You know, throughout my life, I've wanted to be different things. If you were in the military, you have been armed with one of the greatest skill sets and tools needed to succeed to accomplish whatever it is that you want to do. All right? And again, I, I think people that sometimes leave the military – I remember having these conversations with my wife when she was transitioning to the civilian world. I remember telling her, you know, Janet, uh, you know, people in the real world don't operate like this. Like, you know, they're, they're not going to be on the mark and in, in, in doing everything and have an organization to the level that your your standard is, the military standard. And I remember she kind of said, ah, we'll see, we'll see. And, I, you know, obviously it was a cluster, right? Um, so I wanted to bring that point up to the audience because you proved it. You know, you, you didn't know what you wanted to do. You were armed with this special skill set that the military provides, which I'm going to say it a fifth time. It's an asset. It is an absolute asset. And that's where I'm going to transition to this question that you made military talent partners. So, again, Natalie, you are the founder and CEO of Military Talent Partners. You founded this organization as a veteran-owned, woman-owned small business in 2018. 
So obviously, with everything I just said in mind, let us know what that is. What is Military Talent Partners? Describe it, uh, you know, everything that you do for military vets and their spouses. And then please share with us any impactful stories that you have uh, from, the, from your time with your own organization. Yeah, this uh, organization is uh, a dream come true that I never knew I had. And, you know, I mentioned it was back in 2016, I started overperforming, outperforming uh, my corporate role, got another corporate role, started overperforming, outperforming there as well. And um, I, it just wasn't filling me up, but mentorship was, and I wanted to do more right. and I knew I could. So if I'm going to mentor and coach people into living to their potential, doing what they love or what lights them up inside and living for their purpose was i going to just collect a paycheck and live beneath mine that didn't sound like a good idea and uh That's mentorship being the the cornerstone of all things i had an amazing mentor and he's like natalie just start just start like hiring people on your own and doing it by your own terms just start on the side start slow and uh i tried that but it ended up getting it ended up escalating quickly i got invited to speak at an event on behalf of military talent partners uh, which was like, oh gosh, this is real. My name and my face is, and my company name is on a poster. And wow, I need a website and a business card. And I guess this is happening. And I didn't have the most money. I had three months of runway to be completely transparent. I, uh, I didn't have an MBA, but I cared the most and I was really good at what I did. Love That's that. rarely enough. I have most entrepreneurial cohorts, accelerators, mentors would say start a side hustle first don't quit your day job it rarely works out and uh, in fact when I did that they're like you need to go get another job this is this is too soon I'm like listen I got three months I'm going to do this so anyway getting invited to this event I got introduced to my first client and I went head in, have never pitched anybody in my life, uh, with like, who, who's gonna wanna pay me for what I do? I'm just, I mean, I'm good at it, but it's different, right? Pitch them, won their business, quit my job with one client, and I'm like, I got three months to make this work, three months, and three months later, <laughs> I had nine more clients, oh, and we're just awesome. hiring and hiring and hiring, I'm like, holy crap. So uh, then I started hiring my own team, and now on July 1st, it's our three-year anniversary. Oh, and we've cool. hired almost 1,000 veterans. Wow. Wow, that's insane. Yeah, I'll tell you, I love that you just, explain, you just explained the entrepreneurial jump point. I always tell people uh, when I mentor entrepreneurs that there is a cliff that you have to jump off to be a successful entrepreneur. We all do it. Some of us drop 1,000 feet. Some of us drop five uh, you just ran and jumped off. And I love that because that—that uh, that is what it takes to become a successful, you know, business owner. Uh, you know, it, it's funny you mentioned earlier about having a baby. I always say, you know, starting your own business, it's, it's just like having a baby. You kind of just fall into it, literally. <laughs> but um, I love that, that you went for it. And I think that that's another big key that for our listeners, if you want to be successful in business, um, you have to have that drive. Natalie, I'll tell you this. That story sounds like every pro athlete I've ever worked with of how they got to the pros, right? Is they didn't hold back. They maybe didn't have everything they needed, but they went for it. Um, and every one of them had to do something at that point. And uh, another point I want you to, I want to, I want to tap on real quick um, is the fact that you said, well, I didn't have an MBA. I didn't, 
you know, have this to the to the listeners, to the audience. Don't get caught up on what you think you need to succeed. There's nothing wrong with getting an MBA. There's nothing wrong with education. I'm not trying to downplay that. But like Natalie, if you've got a fire in your heart, follow it. Follow it immediately. You will fall into it. You will get the information you need. There's not an MBA in the country <laughs> that's going to click for you and make you the best business owner in the world. Uh, so much of being a successful business owner comes from within and having that fire. And Natalie, you had it. So I, I want to just, again, because I kind of cut you off there, definitely tell us some stories a little bit about uh, military talent partners. Because I know with a thousand clients, you got to have one or, or a thousand. They're probably all really good. <laughs> They are. Well, they're not all really good. I think the um, the truth about entrepreneurship, I, I think to your point, to go back for a minute about not waiting to get started, I had like reverse imposter syndrome. I thought everybody was doing it better than me. Maybe one day I could be where they are. Then I would meet these people. And I'm like, wait a minute, we're, this, we're like the same. Like, oh, right. okay. So the only real difference between anyone is that either people do it or they don't. And when you realize that truth, it's like, ah, why didn't I do this earlier? And I wish I would have, but, um, so hiring almost a thousand veterans. So what we do at military talent partners is we partner with companies all across the country who are purpose led, who want to diversify and grow their business with diverse military talent. So we help, we help companies hire veterans and military spouses. We offer recruiting services, talent acquisition support, workforce development and diversity and inclusion strategic consulting. So we are for profit for a purpose brand. And what that means is 50% of our revenue is dedicated to keeping our services for veterans and the military community free, which are the mentorship, the career the career coaching, military transition support. We have an online curriculum that's available for anyone transitioning from the military and it's all free. So we use 50% of our revenue dedicated to that purpose because when you pair the power of mentorship with diversity recruiting, you are getting incredible top tier talent that you're able to retain that's right fit not only for the candidate or the veteran or mill spouse, it's also right fit for the company. And that match is magic. It's meaningful, it's purposeful, it's just right. So we operate a lot differently than traditional quote unquote recruiting firms or agencies. And, um, you know, hiring almost we're almost a thousand veterans. We've mentored more than four thousand veterans and military spouses, and uh, that satisfi that satisfaction, that benchmark, saying that like, okay, this is more than a fire in my in my soul. This works. This is moving people forward. This is providing a service that is better than I ever imagined it would be or could be. But that's not to say that this is some glamorous, like private jet, tons of money just flowing in and out kind of world. There are days that have been so bad that I've cried myself to sleep at noon. There are days that have been so great. I have popped champagne for breakfast. The thing about entrepreneurship is you have to have the courage to take both days and to know that even on your worst, what you're doing is the right thing. And that if you work hard enough, it will happen and you have to stick with it. And if you're not a little bit crazy to that level and you're not really great at what you do, you probably shouldn't be an entrepreneur uh, because it's scary. If you go from having a salaried paycheck every two weeks or the first and 15th, whatever, and then all of a sudden 
you got nothing. Like it's you who creates the check, the dollar, like whatever is coming in, that's right. on you. There's no one that's going to give it to you every couple of weeks because it's your position. It's just totally different mindset. But the purpose that we get to serve at Military Talent Partners has always been and will always be worth it, which leaves no option to quit. Because when you see these moments of veterans and military spouses getting those meaningful careers, not just drifting along, taking whatever they can get, but really feeling that joy from a career, to be even a small part of that story is a gift. You know, Natalie, real, real quick, Howie, before you jump to the next question, you had said earlier that you don't you, you, you don't know if there's anything that can compare to people jumping out of airplanes chasing a boat. But I, I would say that entrepreneurship is pretty similar to jumping out of an airplane, jumping after a boat. So if that's something you did in the military, this might be perfect for you. Yeah, if you like being like terrified on a regular basis and like that adrenaline <laughs> and like pumps your heart up at midnight and everybody else is asleep, then yes, this is for you. Well, from what you just described, Natalie, that's exactly why I wanted to have you on this show and to share what Military Talent Partners does. Because, you know, when I first kind of envisioned what the uh, the Crossing the Line of Departure podcast would look like, you know, immediately what came to mind was, well, we'll invite folks who have actually made the transition, the transition themselves and share their stories, share their experiences, provide advice, provide guidance, whatever value they could bring to our to our uh, emerging audience. And then I started to realize, you know, there are companies and organizations out there, whether profit, nonprofit, it doesn't matter to me. But there are organizations out there that actually provide incredible services to these men and women who are making that very challenge and their families and making that challenging transition, you know, from military to life after the military. And I want to highlight, you know, as I can find them and as I can uh, uh, assess them, I want to bring them to our audience and, and, and explain, you know, what organizations like yours do so they know you know the men and women who are now in that transition planning process they know they can reach out to organizations like yours and i would certainly encourage them to reach out to organizations like military town partners to to make them part of the team that'll help them in that transition so this is this is exactly why i wanted to bring you on onto this onto the show and and, and share that kind of information so and listen, I will tell you another thing, too, and we can talk about this afterwards, but um, I'm very happy to have a conversation with you how I can contribute uh, to that effort as well as a mentor or whatever, because um, uh, I've done this informally for, for the better part of my you know, military career once I ra ra made the rank of major. And um, so I am absolutely passionate about it as well, too. So if I can add any value to that effort, I I'm, I'm happy to, uh, to do that as well. Hey, Natalie, what I want to do is shift a little bit, okay? Because um, um, one of the things that I know is a, a bit of a challenge for me when I left the military after, after 27 years and being very um, reasonably confident in my ability to bring value to an organization, um, when I transitioned out of the military into a, a corporate setting, I did government contracting for the better part of eight years, um, you know, I had challenges with that, right? Um, and so you're really transitioning into another organization. And um, I was very lucky to work for an organization that 
really effectively integrated me into their culture, into their into their setting. Um, what I would like you to explain, and you've had a number of different um, experiences transitioning from one company to another to another. You know, how did that go? Um, how how well did they bring you into their organization? How well did they bring you into their culture? What went well? What did not go well? Because I think those are important things to arm our our audience with, so they can better prepare for that as well. That's a great question, Howie. And it's another example of why it's so important to understand your goals, because when you're acclimating to a new company, you are not to start, you know, thinking and behaving and speaking or dressing alike to everyone else, because that's, that's not fitting in you have to understand who you are and what your goals are if you're actually going to belong in that organization and allow them or enhance their ability to allow you to belong. Because when we try to fit into the mold of something else or someone else in a different company and we just want to prove that we belong, we're not belonging. We're not who we're not true to who we are. So understanding your personal identity, your future, you, the not what you've done, where you've been and what's in your past, where are you going next? Always having that in the front of your mind is crucial to fitting in in the way that you belong, not fitting in as a standard. This is what we do here. This is how we do it. Uh, that's that's archaic. That's outdated. That's a thing of the past. Now it's about inclusive belonging. Um, it's not just, you know, getting into the organization. It's not just getting asked what you think. It's about influencing and sharing ideas and actually being an active part. But you can't do that unless you really know who you are and you understand why you're there, what's your purpose. So you're never too early and you're never too late to figure that out for yourself. Um, I think that's really important. But also it keeps you solid and strong in your transition skills not just your resume, not just interviewing. You know, I have expressed that I have outperformed or overperformed in just about every corporate role I've had. But, you know, shortly after coming off maternity leave, I was just terminated for no reason, um, which was shocking. I transitioned to a, a, a massive global company after that quickly because I was already being recruited um, and thankfully had another job quickly, but I fell in love with it and I just wanted them to love me back. And I would do anything to fit in, quote unquote, and to feel like I could stay there forever. But unfortunately, a disaster happened in that organization and our entire team was let go, albeit we had a hefty severance, a comfortable bonus. And, you know, most people are like, you can just kick back for six months and just enjoy that baby and just enjoy your mentorship, quote unquote, thing. Um, but it wasn't enough. It was not enough. It wasn't my purpose. I can't just sit by. And most veterans feel the same way. You know, they can't just sit by and watch people do things. They want to do things too. So transitioning from job to job, whether it's your fault or no fault or environmental factors, you're likely to transition again and again and again. And so when you get it right on the front end, when you, and that's really by understanding who you are, what you want, why you want it, and being able to talk about it. If you can nail those transition skills, it doesn't matter what comes your way because you can pivot and you can move forward from wherever you're, whatever you are. And that is important to drive you to whatever, however you define success. Such great advice. Yeah. 
I talk about this a lot. I don't know if you can tell. Hey, listen, you know, it is so clear to me that you are absolutely committed to your passion. And, uh, and um, it, it is really refreshing to listen to. You know, you're kind of reminded me of um, in the last couple of weeks, I, I do, I read a lot of books or listen to a lot of books. And, and, and I've just been absolutely enthralled by a guy, and you probably know him or know of him, but Simon Sinek. He's written three books that I know of, you know, Start With Why, um, Leaders Eat Last, and, uh, and The Infinite Game. And, and a con very consistent message he has in all of his books. And I absolutely encourage our listeners um, to, to, to read or listen to those books. But the, I think the most important message he has is you have to pursue your why. You, you have to know what motivates you, what you're passionate about. And if you do that, what, you, you will be successful at whatever you do. But you, you, you got you to gotta find what motivates you. You got to find what, what, why, you know, why are you getting up every morning that, that, that excites you. And, um, and the other thing you, you remind me of, and, and, and I think a major message in his book, The Finite Game, uh, and I've experienced a very finite um, organization, whether in the military, in, in, in the corporate world, whatever, but um, have the long-term view, right? And, uh, and again, find out what, what motivates you and stay focused on that and all else will come to you. And I, I absolutely truly believe that. So good for you, Natalie. That, that, that's awesome. Thank you. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of Simon Sinek. And actually, he also has a finding your why course online it's like 150 dollars however he has a salute to service discount which is it oh, makes it only 25 dollars cool. and i know this because i think it was back in 2016 a group of friends and i actually like pulled money together and time together and we sponsored a class of 25 participants to go through awesome. this together with us we had a slack channel and it was like grassroots uh transition mentorship and it was so so cool that program is really amazing and also I, I mission career transition which is our program it starts with why that's that's career discovery finding your why is step one it's really the foundation for all so i, I can't agree with that more howie awesome awesome hey do we uh did i did we lose lee we may we may have lost lee well listen um and i'm sure he'll pop back in and and uh that that's what happens with technology sometimes right um, so, so Natalie, what I'd like to kind of shift to in, in our next uh, our next focus is, um, you know, as a business owner with extensive experience that you've gained over 16 plus years, um, again, I envision that our audience will not just be transitioning military members, um, but also um, folks who run organizations, whether profit, nonprofit, whatever, that will be bringing, you know, former men and women in uniform into their organizations. And um, based on your extensive experience, your extensive work experience, um, how would you advise a, a leader in an organization that's bringing in military talent? How, you know, how would you advise them to, um, you know, to help those men and women transition into the organization so that they are adding value as quickly as possible to the organization? First and foremost, understanding that veterans and military talent, they do everything. They're not just meant to go into security or uh, logistics or operations. They, they do everything. The military is a massive business and it has every function that you could imagine in order to run successfully. So understanding that veteran talent, military talent, 
It is all encompassing. Secondly, it's important to understand when you're recruiting or hiring military talent that you have the lens of retention forward facing. You're not just looking to stack your diversity numbers or, you know, delve into the military community as a uh, military friendly company, starting with the conversation of retention. What's the long term plan for this role or someone in it uh, will help you to understand how to drive them there, how to really develop that talent, start a mentorship program, start a buddy system where veterans and military talent have access to cross functional leaders or uh, other other uh, upskilling opportunities, training opportunities. The potential is limitless when you leverage the potential of a veteran or military spouse. There are no other uh, diverse demographics that are more all-encompassing, that are more resilient or tenacious or capable of doing anything. So it's understanding the long-term vision and helping them get there by giving them the support they need uh, to win. Hey, hey, Lee, uh, I'm, I'm going to let you uh, handle our last. I, I actually would love to keep talking to Natalie for a, a lot longer, but I know uh, I know we, we've got to we've, we've got to move on. And uh, and if you want to uh, maybe take the last question, that, that would be awesome. Yeah, well, you know, before I jump into that real quick, uh, Natalie, I, I, I want to tell you, I'm a big quotes guy. You know, I love quotes and uh, everything you're saying reminds me of a few uh, something you were saying earlier, you know, I, you might uh, know who said this. Uh, I believe it's out of the Navy, but there was a quote that was, uh, this is the way we've always done it is the most dangerous phrase in the English language. Um, and in my journeys, I hear that all the time. This is the way we've always done it. This is the way we've always done it. If you ever catch yourself in a business or with a business that's saying that, it's a massive red flag. Um, another quote that I love, um, and I think this pertains to your story heavily and the things that you've uh, talked about today. Uh, Steve Jobs had this phenomenal quote about, you know, you're told when you're growing up to just walk down this corridor, walk down these things, and the walls that are in the corridor were built, and you have to follow the path that's built for you. And he goes, it's a life-changing day when you realize that the walls that were built for you were built by people that really aren't any smarter than you. And then the walls come down, and you see the world for the first time. And I, that really changed my, my way of thinking. And it sounds like the same thing happened to you is that, you know, you were on this path that was made for you. And then you realize like, I don't need to be following this, right? I'm not going to, I'm going to, and then the walls came down. And, um, I just always found that quote inspirational and you embody that quote. And, you know, Steve jobs <laughs> apparently had a pretty successful career. That's what I'm told. So, you know, it is what it is. Um, so Natalie, the last question, we ask this of every, every guest, uh, you know, Pivotal Moments uh, seeks to strengthen mental fitness worldwide, right? So we want to know how do you define mental fitness and share things that you do to strengthen your own mental fitness, please, when you're answering this. I define mental fitness by understanding what it takes to be at your absolute best. If you can't focus on what you need to do because you either don't understand your path or you don't feel supported or you don't have the right tools, whatever it is, those, those factors detract and deteriorate and chip away at your mental fitness. So understanding your goals, which has been the overarching topic of this conversation, but understanding your, your goals, your path, your purpose, and what's important to you, 
will allow you to have better asks, will allow you to cultivate the support or collect the tools or navigate your path in the right direction. But you have to under, you have to be the driver. You have to command your own mental fitness and whatever it takes to get there, whether it's meditation or physical exercise or a support, a therapist, talking to a friend, taking walks or getting outside every day, whatever it is that drives you, that makes you feel at your best. Maybe it's a certain kind of clothing or a, a, a product that you use on your hair, whatever gives you that feeling that you are your best self. That's when you make your own magic happen. And that's when you are the most mentally fit. That is a phenomenal answer, and that's a phenomenal way to kind of head towards the close of the show. But Natalie, before we do that, why don't you let the audience know where people can find you and connect with you? I know militarytalentpartners.com is obviously a, a destination, but what are the best ways for people Absolutely. to contact Militarytalentpartners.com. We're on all the social channels, LinkedIn, um, either Natalie Oliverio on LinkedIn or Military Talent Partners. Instagram, um, or you can email me directly, natalie at militarytalentpartners.com. Uh, I actually field all of our mentorship requests myself uh, because, you know, I love it so much. So I, I, it's not like a man behind the curtain thing. It's a smaller, small 12-person team just <laughs> working our asses off for what we believe in. And we are here to help everyone everywhere, as many as possible. Well, Natalie, I'll tell you right now, uh, you are an inspiration. I love your fire. I love your passion. I love that you were fearless in your approach to chase them down. I love that, you know, for the purposes of this show, that, you, you know, the military played a role in that. Uh, but it, it, I, I got to be honest with you, walking away from this, this show feeling anything other than inspired would be an understatement. So thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much for having me. This has been definitely one of my favorite conversations. I've done over 40 podcast interviews, and this is definitely one of my favorites uh, by far. Well, we will cut that clip and use it and make sure that everybody knows that you said no. That means a lot to us. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, it does. And, and, and this is everything I wanted and a whole lot more. So uh, I'm so glad that we got connected. I'm so glad you made the time to be with us today. And I really hope that that our audience takes the time to, to listen and uh, and take the great um, experiences and, and tips that you've shared, because this is the kind of things where how we can help other people be successful. So thank you for sharing with them with us uh, today, Natalie. Absolutely. So you've been listening to Crossing the Line of Departure, which is powered by the nonprofit Pivotal Moments. You can learn more about the organization at PivotalMoments.org for more inspirational content, education, or if you'd like to donate. For Natalie Alivario and Howie Cohen, I'm Lee Elias. Thanks so much for joining us, and make sure you keep an eye out for more episodes soon, wherever podcasts can be heard. Thanks so much for listening. We will see you next time. Have a great day, everybody.